Welcome to the Wealthy Coach Podcast, where I teach you how to become wealthy AF in your business, your mindset, your coaching, and your life. I'm your host, Kendra Perry. I am a former functional health coach turned online business mentor for health coaches, practitioners, and professionals. I'm here to help you grow the online business of your dreams by teaching you the strategy, the tech, and by helping you cultivate the mindset you need to be a badass health entrepreneur. I'm blunt, I'm to the point, and I'll probably drop an F-bomb or two, so fasten your seatbelts and get ready to become wealthy AF. Hey, Rachel, could you tell me a little bit more about um, what you do and who you help? Yeah, definitely. So I am an integrative health coach and also have a license as a pharmacist. So I actually worked in pharmacy for 17 years. But a couple of years ago, I had my own health journey of sorts where I had some health issues and I really couldn't figure it out. It was about a five-year journey of having these weird symptoms. And I finally was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. And so that's where I began my journey into how can I support my body holistically? And after starting to make some of those changes, like changing my diet, my lifestyle, and things like that, the results in just my symptoms was what pushed me forward to become an integrative health coach and help others with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. So I really focus on helping those people. Yeah. I love that. I think so many of us have our own journey and that's a big reason why we get into this. And so before we recorded, we were talking about when did you come into HCA? And it sounds like it was like spring 2021. So it's been just over, what is that? Two years? Two years. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you joined HCA at that time, like what was happening in your business? Like, where were you at? What were you struggling with? So I was brand new. So I think the year before, so October, 2020 is when I was like, okay, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to start posting every day. And so I was brand new coach, didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of just winging it. And I actually came across another health coach that does thyroid. And I asked her because she took your course. So I was Mm. like, what did you think? I need help. Because if you don't see what other people are doing, you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Like I was like, I don't even know if I'm doing this coaching thing right. And I think I maybe had like one client or something at that point. And so I was like, my friend recommended you. So I just took it. And so took your course and I jumped all in because I just was brand new. I didn't know what I was doing at all. Had no program or anything put together or anything. Did you work at all? Had you worked at all with any clients at that point? I'd only had one client before that. Yeah. And so when you were kind of just like throwing it out there before you came into HCA, like, did you find like what you're doing wasn't working? Like, were you having any success? Like, did you get any training in your health coaching certification? Very little training. Towards the end, they kind of talked about business and how you set up packages. and But it really was just very broad. And yeah. so I was like, okay, well, I'll do this three-month package and hopefully this will work. And I really wasn't like, especially with that first client, I didn't charge hardly anything. And really, aside from working with family, like I had kind of practiced on, but this first client wasn't really getting the results what I learned in my coaching courses. So I was kind of at a loss. Yeah. So I'm so glad you came into HCA. That's great. Yeah. You're just like, what am I doing? And I find that's very typical of a lot of like institutions, health coaching certifications. Like they might give you a little bit of business, but it's not really enough to do anything with, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you came into HCA, like, was there anything that sort of surprised you? Like what was kind of the thing where you were like, oh, wow, I didn't know that I was supposed to do this. 
Well, I think a lot of it, you really simplify how to like go from really nothing to like really creating everything, even the back end stuff, especially the back end. Like I thought it's going to be a pharmacist forever. I was never going to have my own business, like my own business. And so I think you really help with that back end where you're like, oh my gosh, that is a little bit more complicated than I thought. But then you help simplify that. That's what I loved about the HCA course because I was just like, I would have not known any of this and probably would have struggled through for much longer than if I hadn't have taken the course. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you started, like you went through, we got, we like dialed down your niche in like Hashimoto's, correct? Mm -hmm. And that's what you're focusing on. And then we built the program and started getting like kind of your marketing and sales dialed. Like what did that journey look like to implementing it? Were you kind of like hit the ground running or did it take you a little bit of time after the course to kind of get everything in place? I definitely hit the ground running because I had the one client. And so it was really just a matter of tweaking my program And knowing the niche helps a lot because then you can really hone in on what you're talking about and the program and just the steps that you're taking those clients through. You'd have to adjust a little bit per person and, and things like that. But in general, knowing what those steps are was really helpful. Yeah. And so how long did it take you to get like your next client after that first? I believe it's been two years, but I believe I got a couple of clients during HCA. So two or three clients I got signed up. Mm -hmm. Cool. And how are you running your program now? Are you running it as a one-on-one? Are you doing a group program? Like, What does that sort of business model look like for you? Yeah. So after I took HCA, I did do your group course too. So I have done... I do mostly one-on-one still. I have done a couple of group courses, which is helpful because one-on-ones, it's hard to only have so much time in the day. So I have done a group course. I'm just revamping it each time, but taking your group course too also helped because again, it's like going from one-on-one to -to one-to-many. I mean, it's so different from one-to-one. And so that was helpful to set up that group course as well. Okay. And I'm curious, like along the way, like as you were kind of like going to one-on-one, like kind of moving into group, I'm really curious, like what were like the biggest challenges for you? The biggest challenges probably going from one-on-one, it's easier because you're following up with just one person. When I shifted to that group program, it's different because you're trying to keep many people engaged. And it's hard sometimes to like almost blame yourself if somebody falls off or somebody doesn't follow through. And you're trying to do all these things to bring them back in, but they're just not responding. And I had to learn like that hard way that you can want it really bad for them, but you can't make them make the changes. Like someone might sign up with good intentions, but if they're not really ready, that's not your fault. Yeah. And I think that's a really hard one for a lot of us because I mean, I still struggle with this sometimes too. And like, I've been doing this for a long time and people come in and I just want to see everyone succeed. But I mean, I think ultimately you're right. Some people aren't ready or Mm -hmm. in my case, some people like maybe glorify what it's like to have a business. And then they're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is not what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. And that happens, but you're right. Like, it's not like we can only do our best to like provide the best program possible and like be there and reach out. But ultimately like they're the ones who have to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that was probably one of my hardest lessons to learn. (laughs) And I'm curious, like you've done quite well on social media. Like, I think Mm -hmm. when I reached out to you, you had like 20,000 followers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I would love if you could tell the audience, like, how did you grow that much? Because that's like a pretty decent size following. And I'm curious what you've done to kind of get there. Yeah. So when I took HCA, I actually had a real go viral. I don't really know if you remember that. Oh, I do remember this. And I think I was at like a thousand when I was in HCA. So I had a real go viral and I was like, Kendra, how do I handle this? Because it was overwhelming. I remember this. Yeah. So I think I jumped from one to 7,000 
within a couple of weeks. Like it was crazy and it was really overwhelming. But then what I've learned from that is that not all of those people, they might've liked my reel, but not all of those people are my ideal client. And so for a while, I feel like I struggled with getting anyone to sign up because I was like, no one's really responding or interacting with my content. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned the hard way that just having that genuine interest in just helping people, sharing education, that knowledge, those ones are going to gravitate towards you. And I've slowly grown, you know, it's been doing this almost three years now on Instagram. And I remember you saying in HCA that the first three years are the hardest. And so I've always kept that in mind that like, I'm just putting in that work because I know it's going to happen for me. And it's grown this much in just two years, but I've been very consistent with just sharing that education, sharing my story too, because I was once in that place where I felt hopeless, didn't have any answers and just had all these symptoms that were unexplained. And being on the other side of it, I always try and share that because I know there's other people out there who still feel that way. But I want to give that hope too, where they can feel good again too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always say like going viral, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's great. Like you get all these people coming into your business, but it does bring a lot of the wrong people in too, Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, people just hit follow and they don't really care. And so it is overwhelming. And with some people, this one woman who I know, like she had a TikTok get 4 million views. And she was like, it ruined my self-esteem for a year because with that came so many trolls and hate. She just like left TikTok and it was actually a terrible thing. So you got to be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm curious with that reel going viral, did you get some hate or was it mostly positive? I got a little bit, especially mostly on like spelling. And I'm like, come on, people. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not an English major. Like I'm very much like scientific brained. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to make mistakes. But throughout this journey, like you're always going to have someone who calls you out on something. I think I was called like a witch doctor and like when I was brand new and I'm like, okay, come on, people. Like there's going to always be those trolls and always people who are putting you down. But then focusing on those people who are constantly telling you, like, keep sharing what you're sharing. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Like, And there's still times where I get some hate and then I'm just like, okay, I'm shutting down for the day because, you know, we're still human. It still hits hard sometimes, even though you're trying to help people. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. In the end, sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to go cry in the shower and then I'll be fine. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) And so I'm curious, like you've been really successful and I'm curious, like if you had some advice for the audience, for people who are maybe in like their first year and they're in that real big, like struggle town where they feel like nothing's working. I'm talking to no one. Like, what am I even doing? Like, do you have any like words of encouragement for them? Oh yeah, definitely. Like keep that in mind that, you know, the first three years is kind of that building that rapport and like people are watching, even if they don't like, even if they don't comment, like I still get people who come out of work now and are like, I've been following you forever. I think I'm ready now. I'm like, oh gosh, if I would have quit a year ago or whatever, like that would have never happened. And so just keeping that in mind that it takes time and people don't trust right away. Like you got to keep showing your personality and those people will automatically start reaching out and gravitate towards you. So it's hard. It is not easy. But I always think of that where you're like, the first three years is the hardest. So I just always keep that in mind that like, okay, I'm almost to that three-year mark. I'm getting there. But even in those three years, there's growth there. Even if it's just within you, like thinking back to when I first started, how much I've grown, it's amazing what this will do to do for you. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good thing to keep in mind because it's true. Like the first three years are the hardest. And 
you really got to like stick with it. And I love what you said about you don't build trust automatically and people, even though they might not be engaging, they're watching. And I think this is really important for health and wellness coaches because you're talking about really sensitive topics. And if someone's like, you're talking about Hashimoto's and everyone's talk about their hair loss or the fact that they've like gained 30 pounds or they feel like crap, like not everyone wants to just like be commenting in a public forum or even a niche like infertility. People don't necessarily want to talk about that because what's embarrassing or there's shame around it. And so I think you do get a higher volume of people who are kind of just creeping in the back, like they're watching. And it does take time. And I get this happening as well, where people I've been like following you for years. I'm like, who is this person? I've literally mm-hmm. like never seen them. So it's almost like developing that like sense of trust, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I trust that like what I'm doing is impacting people. And eventually those people are going to reach out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so can we talk a little bit about income? Because when you came into HCA, like nothing, it sounds like you'd made like a very small amount of money from clients. So I'm curious, like what's your sort of, and I know you said before the recording, you're like, I'm not very good at tracking. And so can you like estimate, like, what would you say your kind of like monthly income is now? So now I think I'm probably around maybe 7,000 a month. Yeah. But when I first started, my first client was like 350 for four month package. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And she was probably my hardest client, but I haven't gotten to that point like overnight. Like it's taken this time and slowly increasing my package prices and things like that. But getting that consistency is where it slowly grows over time. Well, I just want to congratulate for you for that because that's amazing. Like, let's celebrate that because it's been yeah. two years since you've done HCA, 7,000 a month. Like, you're really just maybe like 15 or I think $1,800 off from having doing six figures and doing like, mm-hmm. which is a lot of us are going for. And like in two years, and you're yeah. like, yeah, it takes time. It's hard. But like, in what other business do you get like that kind of raise where you go mm-hmm. from like 350 to like 80 or 90,000 yeah. a year? When you really put that into context, like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's such definitely. an opportunity. Worked full time on the side too. So I mean, not on the side. I've worked full time and then did this on the side. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm getting ready to quit my full-time job so I can do this full-time because I know that I'm kind of to that point where I'm like, yeah. I can't stretch myself anymore. I got to yeah. focus on one of those. Yeah. And that's so amazing. And I love the way you've done it. And I think this is a really smart way to do it because as it does take time, unless you have like, you've saved up a nest egg of an egg of money, like it can be really stressful to go full-time right away in your business mm-hmm. because it's inconsistent. And for the first three years of my business, I worked part-time for functional diagnostic nutrition and that was great. And that paid the bills while I figured everything else out. And I think that's just a really smart way to do it because then like the financial stress isn't like driving all your decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely helped me because I've been able to invest in programs like yours. I'm like, I don't have time really to figure this out. Yeah. I'm working full time. So, but I think everyone even like, it's hard to invest in yourself, but I think it's so important, whether it's business side or personal growth. Like, I think it's so important because you just need that to continue to progress. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think like at this point, I love investing in myself because I always get something. I always grow. I always learn Mm -hmm. something, but I think it's hard at the beginning when you're not making money, it's hard to Mm -hmm. kind of like make that jump. But I mean, the amount of time you can waste trying to figure it out on your own is a lot. Oh yeah, (laughs) Yeah. definitely. And I learned that the hard way. (laughs) Like, okay, fine. I'll take this course. And I was so glad I did. It probably would have taken me months to figure any of that out. Absolutely. And so I want to shift now into some of the coaching that we're going to do today. And so you were wondering, so one of your questions was, how do you pitch yourself when you're not in a launch, right? Yes. And so do you mean by this is like, because I know you have like, you have kind of like your baseline is your one-on-one and then you launch Mm -hmm. a group 
like every now and then. And so you're kind of wondering like how to pitch yourself in between launches, like when you don't have group available or for your one-on-one, can you clarify? Yeah. So I definitely know I struggle with like pitching myself and been doing this for a while, but I still like, oh, am I talking about my services too much? And so I just want to get your take. Right now, I'm not in a launch. So I'm kind of just taking on one-on-one clients. And it's like, is it something that I should be pitching like a call to action on each post or each reel? Or should I do it a couple of times a week? Or I think I just struggle with that because I almost feel like it's too much sometimes or maybe not enough. I'm probably not enough, to be honest. But I always am curious what other coaches' thoughts are on that. Yeah. So I think you should be pitching yourself constantly in every post. I think like we need to be selling all the time, but I like to think of it kind of like as like indirect and direct, right? Like when we're saying like directly, like sign up for my program, that's more direct. But if we can also do posts where they're really just seeding awareness. And so I like to think when you're putting out your content, like constantly mentioning your program, right? Like when, if you come onto my podcast, like I'll be like, oh, so this HCA student asked me this thing the other day, or this is actually something we teach our students inside HCA. So it's not directly pitching, but it's still selling the program, right? And so I like to kind of split it up between that. Obviously during a launch, you're like heavy pitch. And I still think outside of a launch, if your one-on-one is available, you want to do a heavy pitch. But you really can be rotating between just like indirect where you're just mentioning, you're talking about, you could be sharing a client case, like a case study and like how someone went from A to B to C, or maybe it's just like something that's educational, but you're mentioning that you teach this inside your program or a question that some one of your clients asked you the other day or something like that. So it's like that awareness where every time they're reading a post, they're hearing about your program in some way. And then there's like direct call to action where it's like DM me, start if you want to learn more about my program. And then the other one would be just driving to your free offer, right? And getting people on your email list. You can do the same thing with your email content, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Those are great tips. Yeah. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Because I think it's like, we really just have to be the biggest ambassador for our program. And I think a lot of people are afraid to sell, but I just recorded a recent podcast on this where... I'm just like, no one would ever expect Target not to sell. Like Target's a business. And it would be so weird if you went into Target and Target was like, oh, hey, what's up? You want to be my friend? Here's a cup of coffee. Nothing to sell here. Let's just hang out. Like, And then all of a sudden they were like, swimwear, buy my swimwear line. And you're like, what? I thought we were friends. Like, I think we just have to accept that like we're businesses and no one's going to shame a business to sell. Obviously, you're still providing value and connection and that sort of thing. But like, you're not on social media for any other reason for this. So I think we don't want to be in people's faces all the time, but a little bit of that is good. But then that sort of indirect selling is just like, you're being like, you're the biggest ambassador. Like you should really just feel like my program is so amazing and you're silly for not signing up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Okay. And then the next thing you're wondering about is hiring, correct? Yes. And so have you hired at all? So I have only one contractor that she does my emails. So she Mm -hmm. takes my posts and turns them into emails for me because the email was just like, I know this is important, but it's just something I don't love. (laughs) So she takes care of that for me. Yeah. Okay. And so like, what else are you looking to outsource? Like when you think about the things that you do in your business, like what are the things that you really hate doing and you're not very good at? Probably like the backend systems. So like if I'm setting up a new program and like just putting all, making sure everything is all set up, I'm just like like, off system, the techie stuff. Yes. Okay. So you need a tech VA. That's what you need. So, and there's people who do that where they specialize, where they'll just set it up all up for you. They'll test everything, make sure everything works. They'll, if you're doing a webinar, they will like be on the webinar, like making sure 
everything set up, like putting out your call to action links, helping people who are like, I don't hear anything or whatever, because usually they just need to like restart the meeting or whatever. So that's what you would need. Now, in terms of hiring, because you're wondering like, where do I start looking for this person? And so the first place to start is networks, right? Like I would ask like communities, if you're in like health coach groups or any sort of like network groups that you're in, I would probably start there and see if you can get like a recommendation or referral from someone. I feel like that's usually the best place. And then my next go-to place is Upwork. Dot com. Oh, okay. You could also use Fiverr. Like there's a few other ones. I like Upwork. I've just always used it. I think with hiring something with anyone, it's about like the job posting and the expectations. Like you just want to be really clear what you're looking for and what you expect. And when I put out a job posting, I'll put even like communication expectations. Like we communicate through Slack. And if I send a message, like I expect a response within 24 hours, even if it's just you saying, Hey, I saw your message. I'm going to get to that tomorrow or something like that. Right. And so I put all the communication expectations, like the turnaround time, like with a tech VA, like what's going to be your turnaround time like that you expect. Like if I ask you to do something like how quickly do you want it done in and that sort of thing. And like, what are your platforms that are like, I would list your whole tech stack and that sort of thing. So they know because they may not, you want someone who has expertise in those. And then like, if it matters, if they're in the same time zone as you, usually with like a tech VA where there might be a bit of back and forth, you're going to want to make sure that they're available during maybe like North American business hours or something like that. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I'm always like nervous about, you know, if you don't know are going to be good or not. So that's, I'm Mm going to go, I've got a lot of network groups that I'm in. So yeah, Yeah, I would do that. And then I always hire someone like on a probationary period, usually like 90 days is great. And just say, Hey, we'll see how this goes for the first 90 days. And then we'll see if it's a fit. And a piece of advice that I was given, it's going to sound kind of mean, but I'll explain is to hire slow, fire fast. And what that means is like, take your time finding the right candidate. And usually I find it's best to hire on qualities versus skills, but with something like tech, you're not going to want to have to train them right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to want them to have those like tech skills, but take time finding the right person. But if you notice it's not going well, like take care of it quickly. And I don't mean just fire them, but like bring it up, like feedback, right? And you can just say, Hey, like I've noticed this is happening. Like, this is what I need moving forward. Like, can you commit to that? Whatever, like take care of it quickly. And if it doesn't change, you can like try one more time. I kind of do three strikes. And then if it doesn't change, it's just like, it's not going to work. The worst thing you can do is like keep someone around who's like not performing and like they're not doing the work. I've learned the hard lesson in this. I kept someone for like a year longer than I should have. And it really hurt my business. So you have to kind of like just really give people lots of feedback. People are always Mm -hmm. looking for feedback. And what you could maybe do, a good way to do it is to maybe for your next launch, hire someone and say, hey, I'm going to bring you on for this next launch. And if it goes well, then I'd love for it to be a permanent position. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Thank you. Yeah. How does that feel? Yeah. I think that's good. That's the probably the area I just don't love. So that yeah. definitely would I be helpful. I just hired a tech fee. I've been doing my own tech for almost nine years and I finally hired one. And I was like, oh my God, this is so great. Yeah. That's it's what a I lot need. of work. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And then the last thing you were wondering about was you wrote, what are your tips or best practices to shut off business and focus on personal needs? As an entrepreneur, this is hard to do, but also essential for my own health. So are you finding that you're just thinking about your business all the time? 
Yeah. And much better than I was because when I first started, it was like, you had to answer everybody's questions right now and hours of the day. But now I'm better about that. But I do feel like I'm always thinking about it. And my husband's probably like, quit talking about it. Like I'm sick of hearing about just the business. And so, yeah, I'm like, do you have any tips or anything where you're able to just kind of like shut that down and really actually disconnect from it? Yeah. I mean, I also find this really challenging. I think like kind of work-life balance when you run a business from home is a bit of a myth in a way. I find for me, like what's really important is that I have no push notifications on my phone, right? Like everything kind of happens on desktop. And usually right before the weekend, I delete any work-related apps, right? Because I need Instagram because I'm making stories sometimes. And I like to my team to be able to reach me through Slack or something like that if they need something. But I will delete apps on the weekend. And for me, and this might not work for you, but I literally have to get out of cell service sometimes. And on the weekends, like I go into the the mountains because when I'm in the mountains, it's just like, there's no cell service, literally nothing else for me to do, but like look at this view and read my book. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) So I don't know if that's amazing or if it's even something you'd want to do. But yeah, it's definitely something I struggle with. And I think like I've done like, sometimes I'll do like an energy clearing. I'll try to like do like a little breath work and try to like kind of clear everything out and try to like leave it in my office. I leave my phone in my office every night. Like I don't bring it into my bedroom. Like I feel like it's about, for me, it's about creating boundaries around mostly my phone Mm -hmm. because that's what reminds me of work in a lot of ways. Definitely. That's hard. I know, like, I recognize that it's a problem and I need to be better about it. So, those are great tips. And I'm curious, like, do you have like any like kind of communities that you're a part of or like friends that do what you do? Not here closely. I do have mm-hmm. a lot of friends online yeah. <laughs> and like some groups where we bounce ideas and stuff off each other, but not locally. Yeah. So, I find like I don't have really any local friends either. I think that's hard to find. But I think mm-hmm. for me, I have like some business besties. And so, when I want to talk about the business stuff, I try to just talk to it to those people and not try not to talk about it to like my partner or friends because yeah. they just like don't know what the hell you're talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 I know my husband definitely gets kind of, I'm sure he gets sick of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, this is a big journey mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs because I struggle with it too. And I think a lot of like all the entrepreneurs I do, like we all struggle with it because it is a bit all consuming and it's kind of like your baby. And it's mm-hmm. not like a normal job where you just kind of like leave at the end of the day and, and you can't work on it. Like it's always mm-hmm. there available. Yeah. So I find like, I may not be the best person to ask because it's something like I struggle with as well. Yeah. But I know I appreciate those tips because yeah. I think we're all learning yeah. <laughs> through this process. So totally. And I think the more you can have like, yeah, your networks of like business besties, the more helpful it is because then you can like bounce ideas off those people rather than annoying the people in your life. But I think like for me, it's been like mostly boundaries around my phone that I think have helped me the okay. most. Yeah. Because okay. when people message you and you might want notifications on because it's a launch, but then you got to delete those apps and be really diligent about that. Yeah. I even tried having two phones once. I had like a personal and a business phone and that was great, except for I don't have the memory to find two phones. So I was yeah. always <laughs> looking for a phone and I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. I don't think I could do that either. <laughs> yeah, totally. Is there anything else? Any other questions you had for me? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been great. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And if anyone wanted to reach out to you or stalk you on social media, how would they find you? So I'm on Instagram mostly. So I'm Rach underscore Hashimoto's Wellness. So it's kind of long, but even if you type in Hashimoto's, I'll probably pop up, but that's where I am mostly. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening today. As always, I appreciate you being here and I will see you next Monday, same place, same time where I help you become wealthy AF.